Amen. Happy Mother's Day to you guys. Thanks for joining us on this glorious day. It's beautiful outside, and we are here with you on your television, your iPad, your phone, wherever you may be, your computer. But hopefully this ninth week may be our last week apart, as next week we hope to gather here in our sanctuary in our worship center at Northwest Baptist together. We're blessed to honor our mothers today. We are thankful and blessed for all that they do for us, but we are, we are blessed to honor them not only today, but with our life as we live out the gospel, as we're going to talk about next week, honoring our father and mother. But today, specifically, we want to say thank you for sacrificially giving your life for us, moms. We thank you for your love. You're truly a blessing to us. And uh, I wrote a poem for mothers today. Here's the poem. Here's how it goes. A mother's joy and pride comes in little packages and fills our hearts inside. Each one a little different and needing a mother's care, but always knowing that our mother will be right there. Great and broad the pains of this world will be, but a little sense of the gospel does one find in thee. When we say thank you on this day, we hope that you will be blessed, come what may. For in Christ our hope does rest, because at some point we will be put to the test. But because of your love, we can truly say we are blessed. Thank you, moms. I want to take some time to pray for our moms specifically as hard as they work and honoring them to, this morning. But I also want to take time to pray for those would-be moms, um, those who, have, um, who, who, who may be moms in the future or those that are struggling at this time to, to have children or maybe have lost children those that are, um, this day is, is not as bright as it is for others. But I'm actually wearing this um, t-shirt this morning. Um, it's an organization called Brave Love, and my friend uh, sent this to me in the mail as he's on the board there, but uh, in support of adoption. And uh, even, even this ministry here actually um, works with mothers and helping them to understand what it means to give life to children. As my friend was um, adopted for Korea, from Korea and uh, given life into a family here in the metro area, and the Lord has used him in mighty, mighty ways, but um, uh, encouraging moms to, um, to not only adopt children, but also to choose life for those moms that are that are um, that are having a child, or and so let's pray um, for all of these things this morning. Father, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for all of those mothers out there um, that work tirelessly to um, give their life for their children. And uh, Father, we thank you for the moms that impacted my life, and uh, we thank you for for their love and their affection, their care, their willingness to serve and love. And Father, we, we know that this morning there are those out there that are hurting, um, whether it be um, infertility or um, whether it be having, having lost a child. And, and Father, we just pray for them that you would comfort them and care with your love, Father. We thank you for... Um, 
your love that surpasses all things, Lord God. We thank you for your love to adopt us as children of God. We ask, Father, that you would be um, glorified in your word this morning, that you would be with our people as we go to your scriptures to hear about God's design for the family and marriage. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We continue our series in the gospel in life where we're seeing the gospel has not only given us the power for salvation, but the the gospel also gives us the power to live for Christ. And it affects every area of our life. We live for Christ, not because we have to, but because we want to. God changes our marriages when we see Christ. He changes our relationship with our children when we see Christ. He's changes our relationships at work when we see and live in the gospel. And so we see the Holy Spirit giving us the ability to do this. And this is what Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. You can obey Christ because he has empowered you through the spirit that now lives inside of you. Last week, we began to see these principles unfold for marriage. And last week, I said that, that singles, uh, this is just as important for singles, whether you may be married in the future or, or whether you have intimate relationships with your friends or your family, that you need to see the gospel lived out in and applied in those relationships, and last week we saw the specific relationship as Paul talks about the, the relationship of the husband and the wife. As this picture of the gospel comes on display as the wife submits to her husband, as the church submits to Christ, and the husband shows his submission by his love for his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is a beautiful picture that I want you to see here in this text. God is redeeming. God is restoring the marriage relationship that back to his design in creation through the gospel of Christ. And today we continue with this theme, except Paul hits on the second half of this piece in chapter five here of the relationship of the husband and the wife, but he hits on this design as the, the, the oneness of marriage is also a picture of the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ, Christ as the head, the church. And so the reason for preaching this passage this morning is to remind us that out of our connection to Christ flows a connection to one another. This is God's design in marriage, part two. So let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter five, if you'll stand with me in the reading of God's word. If you're watching online with us, we do this every time we gather together in honor of God's word and reading the word of God for what it is, the truth of scripture inspired by God himself. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter five, verse 28, and as you're turning there, we're going to read that together. Ephesians chapter five, verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you are cleansing us, that you are sanctifying us, that you are making us holy and righteous to be presentable to yourself as the church, the people of God. Father, we know that we are weak in our own marriages and we need your strengthening. Father, give us the spirit inside of us to do that. Father, let us have ears to hear from the word of God what you want to speak to us this morning. Father, open our hearts to confess our own sins and bring the Spirit of God's cleansing into our hearts and our minds. Give us the strength to stand, Father, as as we see marriages falling all around us. Father, we ask that you would strengthen Northwest Baptist marriages, that you would strengthen our church in the area of marriage. Father, we ask that, that, that husbands would love their wives and wives would respect their husbands. Not out of the basis for the, the, for the spouse, but out of the basis because they love and desire you. Lord, we thank you that you are gracious and merciful. And we ask this morning that you would, we would invite you into our living rooms and speak directly to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sure you've seen the movies um, with, with astronauts in space and, and, and the NASA spacesuit. They're normally white and puffy. Um, but the person is able to breathe and either go into space or walk on the moon in these suits because these suits are, are especially needed in space because there's no atmospheric pressure and no oxygen, making it impossible to survive. Without the suit, you can last about 60 seconds. Um, each suit costs about $12 million, so, so of course I got one for my wife for Mother's Day so we could be twinsies, right? And these, these spacesuits are, are designed with either a pack that carries uh, six and a half hours worth of oxygen or sometimes these suits are actually connected to the ship with an umbilical cord providing oxygen that you need to breathe. And this connection is needed to live. And like I said earlier, if you become disconnected, if the umbilical cord breaks, or if you're disconnected, 
You can only last a short while before you die. Jesus says this in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. The marriage relationship is as Paul has already stated, is to proclaim the gospel. And how can you proclaim the gospel apart from Christ? How can you live in God's design for marriage apart from Christ, disconnected? The connection to Christ is what drives the ability for a believer to live as the body of Christ. And this connection to Christ allows someone to live in the power of God, not out of their own strength or their own might. You see, when we become believers in Christ, we become part of his body, the church in which he nourishes and he cherishes. He is sanctifying us to present us as holy and blameless. And Paul relates this to the concept of the marriage in the same way as marriage is the picture of the two becoming one, so also we must love and respect one another as we would our own bodies. Paul has just presented this example of what Christ is doing through the church here in, in 27 as he, he's presenting her, as washing her with the water, cleansing her with the Holy Spirit and the word of God that she might be presented in splendor. We, we see this picture happening in Revelation 21. He says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. The sea was no more. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And now, right after this, after he tells us this, he says, in the same way, Husbands, love your wives. Look at that, verse 28. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. This is our first point this morning. It's thus, oneness in marriage is to reflect the one body in Christ. Oneness in marriage is to reflect the one body in Christ. It means oneness. The two shall become one flesh is also representative of Christ and his church and how we become part of the body of Christ. 
Paul uses this example of husbands loving as you would your own body. No one hates his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Think about this for a minute. We naturally take care of our own bodies, some of us a bit more extravagantly than others, but we, we, we do the basic needs for our body, right? We eat, we sleep or, or rest, we bathe, we exercise, some of us exercise, we clothe our bodies, Right? We do these simple things. And if you think about how much money you spend on each of these areas, think about it with me. How, how much money is spent on food, what you eat for your body. The restaurants that you can now somewhat go to some, somewhere, but the restaurants and, and the, the grocery store, the food, how much money have you spent on your food? What about where you sleep? your dwelling place, where you rest. Let's go ahead and throw all the utilities, all the things that are associated with that, even your Netflix account, all the things, because, because you, that's for your rest, right? But all of the things that are associated with your sleep or your home. It's a lot of money. Then, then go to you, your bathing, or this includes all your facial cream, your, your shampoo, your skin moisturizer, your makeup, all your stuff, you know, all that stuff. And then exercise, probably pretty low comparative to some of the others, but your gym membership, your $10 gym membership, um, maybe your bike, if you're still searching for one like I am for my wife, we're, we're just looking for this. No one neglects the basic needs of the body. We spend an exorbitant amount of our time and our effort on our body. Now he says, love your wife as you love your own body. Put all the energy that you put into pleasing your own body by nourishing it and cherishing it and cherish and nourish your wife. Why? Because you are one What does this mean, husbands? It means, husbands, you're to look at your wife as the God-given treasure that she is, nourishing her, encouraging her in love, giving her the truth of the word of God and cherishing her as a gift, even in her imperfections. Why? Because the gospel is, is our example. The illustration Paul gives is, is beautiful because he is, he is presenting us as holy without blemish or spot or wrinkle in splendor. But we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were enemies of God. We were marred by sin and yet Christ loved us anyway. When we placed our faith in Christ, we were baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We, became, we entered into the body of Christ, his church, 
And he's, he began to sanctify us. He began to make us holy. Not because we were good, but because he was good. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 16, or do you not know that he, he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him? Remember that connection? If we're connected to Christ. If we're connected to the body of Christ. If we're connected we have relationship not only with our God who is cleansing us, who's making us holy, who is sanctifying us, but then we have connection to one another. C.S. Lewis lost his wife, Helen, to cancer, and he realized he didn't have one good picture of her. It's hard to imagine in this day and age with so many profile pics that one could not find a picture to remember his wife by. But in his book, Grief Observed, he wrote this. I want H. H is his wife, Helen. Not something like her. You know, a really good photograph might become, in the end, a snare, a horror, or even maybe an obstacle. You think about that quote for a minute. A photograph might become a snare, a horror, an obstacle. How could a picture of the woman he loved be a snare? He describes in his book that it was because he was terrified at the prospect of shaping his wife, Helen, into a phantom of his own making. He felt like she would become more of his own composition rather than who she really was. He goes on to say that we're called to love our actual spouse not our preferred one. He says it's truly what you desire to love, all her resistances, all her faults, all her unexpectedness. This is the reality not just for spouses who have passed away, but while we serve our living spouse, we can sometimes only choose to love the things that we enjoy about them. Where there is no disagreement, no annoyance, no resistance, there is no opportunity for sacrifice. If we only love what is pleasing in our spouse, we are really only loving our own preferences. And we don't need the gospel to do that. Matthew 5, 46, Jesus says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Don't even non-Christians love people that love them back? 
what is the gospel if we cannot love our spouses in their weaknesses, in all their faults? So husband, if your wife doesn't laugh at your jokes, love her for it. If she's more pessimistic than you'd prefer, minister to her fears. If your husband is quieter in social gatherings than you like, be grateful for him. If he's not a planner, come alongside happily to celebrate the privilege of loving a person rather than an idol that you've made up in your mind. You see, the reality is loving those imperfections is actually the way the Lord has designed in Christ. That's why pornography is such a demonic path to destruction. Because you are concocting in your own mind what you think this person or a woman or a man should look like, should be like, should act like. There's a straight deception from hell and it will ruin your marriage. But when you truly love with a gospel love that loves the imperfections just as much as the strengths, you begin to see the gospel displayed in your marriage. Look at verse 31. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This is point number two this morning. God reveals his glory through the covenant relationship of marriage. God reveals his glory through the covenant relationship of marriage. Throughout this book, God is relating to his people this covenant. And he's describing this covenant through the relationship of a man and a wife, a husband and a wife. And he treats his people as his bride. Most famously, the prophet Hosea depicts this covenant relationship between God and his people, Israel. Hosea is supposed to go and marry a prostitute in which God calls Hosea the prophet to love her even though she is unfaithful to him because it pictures God's love to a people that are unfaithful to him, worshiping other idols and other gods. This picture that God still pursues people 
and loves people even if they are imperfect, sinners. God shows this picture of adultery of his people who, who, who go after, who love after things apart from himself. But God's nature is to love sinners. And he uses here in verse 31 this picture of the covenant relationship with Christ and his church. He says in verse 32, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. This Genesis 2 picture in verse 31, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast, be glued together to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I could preach on that passage four days because of the oneness of marriage. It is supposed to be connected. One man plus one woman for life. They are glued together. They are hold fasting. They are to leave their, their family unit in which they were in and become a family unit. They are one now as Christ and the body of Christ is one in the church under Christ as the head and now they are to come together as one. And you think of this passage in Genesis 2 as this, this pronouncement of marriage, establishment of marriage between Adam and Eve and yet God is saying here, or Paul is saying here in the scripture it's a I am referring to Christ and the church. This is a mystery. Everyone loves a mystery, right? Solving a murder mystery. Who did it? You got the unexpected twist throughout the murder mystery. Probably the greatest mystery uh, and twist in a, in a film, or at least one of them is got to be Star Wars, right? Oh, Luke, I am your father, right? Like Darth Vader, like you, you don't even see that coming. It's just out of nowhere. That's what Paul does right here. It's this mystery. I'm, I'm saying that, that Genesis 2, the establishment of marriage refers to Christ and the church. The mystery is unveiled. It's just another level, really. The mystery of marriage is not what it is, but what it is supposed to lead us to, which is the relationship of Christ and his church. So God, in his infinite wisdom, gives us this picture of the gospel at the creation of the world. My mind is really blown when you read this passage and re relate it back to Genesis 2 and this mystery and this unveiling of, of, of what God's plan is. This is why marriage means something. This is... Why our culture, even Satan himself, wants to destroy the entity of marriage because anything other than God's design is perverting the picture of the gospel in which Christ has established. You see, when I was a young man, 
People would tell me all the reasons not to have sex before marriage. Robert, so you don't, so you don't have a baby out of wedlock, so you don't get an STD, so you, you save yourself for your wife. All good reasons. What about so you don't misrepresent the picture of the gospel? Adultery, homosexuality, divorce, pornography, rape, incest, cohabitation, sex before marriage, all distortions of the relationship with Christ and his church. It's not about the consequences. It's not just about the consequences. It's ultimately how Christ and his church is looked upon by others in which we represent Christ as called Christians as his church. Everyone cares what they look like or what other people think about them, right? We, we, we spent all, all the time talking about all the money that we spend, making sure we look right, making sure we, we, our bodies are taken care of. What does it What does it say about us about how we represent Christ and his church in the covenant of marriage? You say, "Rob, you're kind of going hard on us, aren't you?" How do you think God feels about his name and his reputation? There's a reason why he calls his people not to profane his name. There's no such thing as, call, as cheap grace. One, I can, one cannot receive the grace of God and then just continue to profane the name of God. That's why 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 tells us that's what we were. That's not who we are. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexual immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I hope you feel the weight. Misrepresenting the relationship of Christ and his church through our representation of marriage. But if you've sinned in any area of life, including marriage, God's grace is sufficient. God is a gracious and loving God. Forgiving iniquity and sin. And this is why the gospel is so beautiful because Christ wants to pick you up off of the ground, broken, abused, and lost, and he wants to present you as beautiful, lovely, without spot or wrinkle. You see it? You see not only the importance of marriage, but the picture of God's love for you. 
This is a covenant marriage picture. This is why God hates divorce. The picture of marriage ought to lead us to the gospel. Husbands and wives, we've got to start being thankful for the gift that God has given to us and love and show his grace to one another. We must be connected to Christ. The gospel must be exuding from our hearts and our minds to be able to love and to respect our spouse. Verse 33. However, after he, he, he drops that bomb of the relationship of Christ and the church, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is point number three this morning. Love and respect is God's design for marriage. Love and respect is God's design for marriage. Emerson Egrich's book, Love and Respect, is definitely worth a read for those out there that haven't read it. You should. Many of our people went to a conference earlier in the spring when you could go to conferences um, and they heard about this topic. And it's the love and respect cycle. And in a perfect world, it, it works completely perfect. Husbands love sacrificially their wives and cherish them, and thus the wife responds with respect for her husband. When the wife is respecting the husband, the natural response for him is to love her. The cycle works perfectly. Love and respect, respect and love. And works in harmony. And this is together in this oneness. And, and we are living in this perfect world. And yet we live in a broken world. Which at some point the cycle breaks down. Someone decides that they're not going to love their wife. And therefore the wife decides she's not going to respect her husband. Or the wife decides she's not going to respect her husband. And the husband stops loving the wife. That could be a day. That could be a time. That could go for weeks. That could go for months. And unfortunately for some it can go on for years. And these two attributes is desperately what each partner needs in a marriage. Wives, just a bit of insight for you. You could be loving your husband greatly. You could be doing all these things for him behind the scenes, serving him radically. But when he comes home, you say, why don't you come home sooner? You don't even care about me or your family. Boom, wall up. He feels disrespected. Or man, you could be respecting your wives, supporting her every move, giving her the freedom to do things, yet not sacrificially loving her, not taking the time to cherish her. Now we are at a crossroads. What do we do? Wives, do we respond with the lack of respect. I mean, our husband is not loving us. 
Do we, do we husbands respond with a lack of love? I mean, our wife doesn't even respect us. No, you insert the gospel into the cycle. Someone must break the cycle and love even if the wife doesn't deserve it. The wife must respect her husband even if she doesn't feel loved. One person has to share the gospel with the other and love them even when they were enemies with one another. The gospel has to come into the cycle. Just because you don't feel respected doesn't mean that you cannot love. And doesn't mean because you don't feel loved doesn't mean you cannot respect. You must share the gospel with your spouse. This is a daily thing. This is a hourly thing. Why? Because you are connected to Christ. Not because your spouse deserves it. Because we were undeserving of God's grace. We understand forgiveness is not not based upon whether we deserve it or not. It's based upon the love of God. The nature of God in which he has now empowered us into our hearts by the Spirit to be able to live out this gospel in our marriage. What if God put the establishment of marriage so that we could struggle, so that we could be tested, so that we could find perseverance with Christ? Husbands, love your wives unconditionally. Wives, respect your husbands regardless of them deserving it or not. And again, I'll say this again, but don't advocate people putting themselves in harm's way. No. That's not what it's saying. It's saying insert the gospel into your relationship. Will you do that? No no doubt there's been a lot of scars in your life. Maybe your parents' marriage. Or maybe your marriage. Or maybe your previous marriage. It's just more of the reason to turn look up to the one who died on the cross for your healing. The gospel is not easy. It's not easy to live out the gospel. We must be completely surrendered. 
so that we can obey Christ. That's why he begins this section with be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not drunkenness, not sexual immorality. Be filled with the Spirit that empowers you to live the gospel in your marriage. This is the time for you to get on your knees in your home. This is the time for you to hold your wife's hand. By the way, I haven't haven't been able to worship with my wife for nine weeks now. I'm excited to do that next week. But it's a time for you two to grab your hands and worship together. Not because your relationship is perfect. Not because you are perfect. But because you know that God is working in you and through you. And what he began in you, he will carry it on to completion. It's not about you. It's about him. Marriage glorifies Christ. The picture of marriage is meant to do that. I wrote down some helpful hints for wives and helpful hints for husbands. I'm going to share those with you. Then we'll be done. Helpful hints for wives. Respect means listening. Respect means serving. Respect means patience. Respect means understanding. Respect means joy. Husbands, loving means sacrifice. Loving means serving. Loving means communicating. Loving means caring. Loving means being perceptive. As we look at our marriage through these last two weeks, we realize how how short we fall of God's glory in our marriage. And it reminds us our need for the gospel of Christ. Our need to place our faith in Jesus in every area of our life, not just for salvation, but in order to live. This is God's design. Let's be people who do that. Let's pray together.